Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, production of iHeartRadio. I feel like I've had so many very, very important questions for you lately. You have. Samantha? Yes. What's your superhero name? Power? What do you think about a game that you've never played? <laughs> There's so many things you've asked me and I'm like, what? What's happening? Do you, you ship anybody? Like, I don't, I don't know what that means. That, I like that's to the think that you kind of... <laughs> usually, I'm like, wait, what is happening? I don't know, know what that means. That is... A very astute point. That is usually your response. My questions are sort of like, huh? <laughs> That's how important they are. I'm trying I'm to get you to think. <laughs> perpetually confused. I'm just perpetually confused. Perfect. Well, my very important question for today is, when you hear aphrodisiacs, when you think about aphrodisiac, what do you think of? Okay, so when I think of aphrodisiac, I just think it's always an exaggeration or a caricature of what sexy or sex is supposed to be because it mm. doesn't make sense. I'm, we've talked about this before. I'm a little more literal yeah. on the literal side. So for me, I'm like, how does this turn you on? And don't get me wrong, trying to figure out sex at 25, 26, when did I lose my? Yeah, it's been, look, look, yeah, look. Yes, uh-huh. I'm, I'm one of those um, in that, I'm like, well, does this work? And does this help? And does this work? And I kind of try to get into that Mm. thought process, I guess. And um, it it just didn't make sense. Mm. Mm -hmm. So there, I mean, was there a food that you thought, oh, like for me, I probably think of chocolate-covered strawberries. Um, So like, did you try one? Is there one that when you think of, oh, and this is an aphrodisiac. I did try one and I can't remember what it was because it wasn't oysters. And I do know that's what I think of more than anything else is oysters. Yeah. Um, and of course, yeah, and dark chocolate. I think dark chocolate was the other part. Yeah. Right. Right, right, right. Yeah, I feel like I just have the very Valentine's Day commercial depiction of the like the blindfold and eating the chocolate-colored right. strawberries. And that's what I think of first. I have had a lot of funny conversations about with friends about how a lot of foods that we see as sexy or an aphrodisiac are actually really like bad date foods, like lobster. You look like a monster when you're eating lobster. <laughs> like being dainty and eating salads. You know, I've went on huge rants about the fact eating salads is not sexy. No, no. I just want to put that out there. Yes, yes. And yet, and yet... <laughs> We do. I love the thought of going. I actually think this would be great of going on a date, going to a lobster boil, and getting like the bib, like <laughs> doing the whole thing. <laughs> oh my god! Just in like doing a boil and then having the crabs all up in your hands and all up on your face, and I know mm-hmm. that I'm wearing it in my hair every time. I just know yes. it's there. Oh yeah. I know. You know, and I smell mm-hmm. like fish for the next three hours. Yeah. Inevitably. <laughs> yeah. How is that sexy? Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting thing as society. We've said, yes, this very difficult thing to eat is what you should go for. <laughs> um, so I've been thinking about this a lot because I do another show, food podcast show. I'm not like looking for aphrodisiacs or anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just wish that was the case. So like, this was me, sir. Also, I need to know. <laughs> I mean, we definitely I had to- already had that episode about you and orgasm. And yes, so, we did. 
Yes, we you did. You really don't need an aphrodisiac. That's what I'm no. saying. And I just want to, you know, quick update on that. And I swear to God, I won't go into detail like I did that that time. I've figured out how to do it. It is not a one-time occurrence. I, I will know say, what it is. I took a poll amongst my female friends, and we we're all in shock. <laughs> I am too. Maybe that's my superpower. There I it do is. have a shirt that says orgasmo on it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that friend made for me. <laughs> a little on the nose. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like such an innocent, in some ways, when it comes to sex, I'm very, very innocent in, uh, like, I don't know a lot of terms, but I have been thinking about how a lot of them are food-related. And we've talked before about, like, kind of that consumption area, the consumption in sex, and maybe that's why we have so many food words, especially for women and women's body parts. Mm-hmm. But, and I talked about this on Saber, I have a new favorite fan fiction word. And it's yes. called cinnamon roll. And it means when you're too good for this world, you're too sweet for this world. But I also learned it is the name for a sex term as well. (laughs) So you got to be careful when you're clicking on your cinnamon roll description because they're very different things that could happen there. Yeah, I'm going to, yeah, confused. Perpetually. That put me there. You're welcome, Samantha. Anyway, I've started saying cinnamon roll is sort of like an... uh, happy exclamation like oh cinnamon roll <laughs> so that that is where i go with food terminology but today we are talking about aphrodisiacs not cinnamon rolls unfortunately for me i guess but i love cinnamon rolls oh gosh let's do a whole episode on cinnamon rolls and that trip because i actually do have a feminist take on it <laughs> do you really yes i do and it actually is sad and has to do with trauma but i think you're trying to create a character that's blameless that something bad happens to. Because usually Aww. the cinnamon roll goes through some like horrible tragedy and you're like painting it as, but they're perfect. See? This is why we can't have nice things. I know. Well, I'm guilty of it. I, I discovered this through my writing of fan fiction and I kept seeing Luke Skywalker is a cinnamon roll. I was like, wait, what is that? Oh, I'm not the only one who's done this. <laughs> anyway, uh, maybe a, another time perhaps. Uh, please write in if anyone anyone backs my theory or wants to hear about that. But today, aphrodisiacs, we're going to talk about what they are, some famous examples. Do they actually work? And this is a pretty lighthearted one, and we're not going to get into too much detail. I know we already hit orgasms like right out the bat, but that was probably a lot the most we'll be getting into. But maybe do give it a listen first if you're worried about your kids hearing any of this. Um And yes, this was inspired by a running joke over on the other show I do savor that every food at some point in history has been seen as an aphrodisiac, except lettuce. And even lettuce sometimes. But lettuce was like the butt of jokes about how uh, it caused impotence and uh, you couldn't have sex if you ate lettuce. Um, I have, I was showing Samantha before this, I have a history book of jokes, which of course I do. Um, And there's a section in there on lettuce jokes, but I was reading them before this and they're just so unfunny. I don't think it's even worth <laughs> reading them. They just don't make sense to us. We're not in the 5th century BCE. Oh. Um, can we do it as an outtake at the end of this? Like after <laughs> our exit, you can go ahead and say it so if people want to listen to it? I, maybe. I feel like I'm building it up too much. It like really is. And I'm somebody who loves puns and bad jokes and right. even I kind of shook my head and was like, huh? I think we should just do it as an extra. But we'll come back. They'll forget okay. by that point. Let's go. All Keep right. going. <laughs> <laughs> um, so through this, 
through this other show, a listener actually wrote in and asked, you know, you bring up aphrodisiacs all the time. It's sort of like a drinking game for some listeners. What are they? I don't even know what they are. And here we are, not on the food show, but on Sminty talking about it. Um, And I did want to put in here because it's really fun and easy to joke about old-timey beliefs, but a disclaimer here, this is not to make light of people struggling with legitimate medical conditions when it comes to having sex. Um, And it is worth remembering that these were real people who didn't understand medicine and their bodies and were desperate to try anything that would work. Um, And it still is a concern to this day. I mean, if we look at just how much men, especially male politicians, will protect Viagra, like... It is a, it's a very uh, big concern and probably goes without saying this, but say it anyway, we are not a medical podcast. Nope. No, 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 no. So, and another issue here are some animals have almost been driven to extinction in part Mm -hmm. for a prized aphrodisiac ingredient, especially horns, like ground up Mm -hmm. horn. Right. Um, and, And it's usually not the primary cause, but it is part of it. So did want to acknowledge that as right. well. Wait, aren't some legends about testicles? Yes, yes. Yep. Eating testicles. Okay. Basically any phallic-shaped food. Yes. Right. Okay. That's what Part I thought. Time. So whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we go anywhere else, let's talk about what it is in the definition. So from dictionary.com, an aphrodisiac is a food, drug, potion, or other agent that arouses sexual desire. And throughout history, they've been believed to also increase libido and sexual pleasure. The word derives from the Greek goddess of love, Aphrodite. Surprise, mm-hmm. surprise. And currently, we tend to think of aphrodisiacs in more of a romantic sense. Again, kind of that exaggerated sense in my head. But that has not always been the case. During the 17th century, married couples might be prescribed an aphrodisiac like pigeon in a more medicinal sense for fertility and reproduction. Right. And these days when, when we do think of aphrodisiacs, most people do usually think of things like chocolate or oysters and strawberries. Um, but I'm not the only one who has noticed the trend of aphrodisiacs being assigned to pretty much anything throughout time. Martha Hopkins, who's the co-author of the book Intercourses, said, Historically, foods considered to be aphrodisiacs were hard to find, rare or expensive like truffles, foie gras, and caviar are shaped like a sex organ, like asparagus or artichokes, and even animal testicles. Hmm, as I uh, said. By the way, asparagus, I feel like that's a really bad choice. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, definitely. Again, because they're phallic and uh, there's some very, in my mind, uh, unintentionally hilarious art depicting asparagus in a very uh, sensual fashion uh, from, yeah, like the 17th century. <laughs> oh, I was just thinking about the Yeah, aftermath. I know. The, yeah. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I know what you're doing. We all know what you're getting at. <laughs> She's talking about asparagus pee, everyone. <laughs> I was trying to keep it G on that one. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying. Well, on that <laughs> note, on that note, we do have a lot more for you. But first, we're going to pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor. back. Thank you, sponsor. So, the big question, do they work? Hmm. Sometimes. Sort of. (laughs) 
There are a couple of things going on here. If the underlying issue is blood flow, some foods can help relax blood vessels in a similar way to Viagra. Foods like pumpkin, beef, and walnut contain an amino acid called L-arginine that once consumed is converted to nitric acid, which is something that improves the rate of blood flow. Omega-3 fatty acids present in foods like salmon, they do the same thing. So does crescetin, which has an anti-inflammatory property and is found in red wine, chocolate, grapes, garlic, and berries. Some of those do sound like our familiar aphrodisiacs, the things we think of. Um, One thing, I'm not sure how much of the food you would have to get to have any kind of aphrodisiac result. Um, Usually it's way, way, way more than you typically would, I found. According to experts, only people with serious blood flow issues would actually see any kind of improvement to sexual function when it comes to those foods. Hmm. Well, and something else that is going on here is more cultural. Uh, If we associate food with romance, then we might have that food mostly in romantic situations. And in our heads, it becomes an aphrodisiac. Yes, it's the placebo effect. If we believe it enough, we'll go out of our way to confirm it. Um, giving food to a romantic partner could impart some aphrodisiac qualities to that food as well. Which, by the way, you know when people would fetishize the whole champagne in shoes? That always really grossed me out. Did you ever see that? No. So literally, like, some of the picture, some of the movies and some commercials would have, like, women's high heel oh, shoes, yeah. and then they would pour the champagne into it and drink it. I'm like, mm-hmm. that is disgusting. My feet smell. Don't touch that. <laughs> Don't put my champagne where it might get, like, fabric particles and stuff. <gasps> and then, like, the, yeah, like, toe fungus? I don't know. I'm just saying. that That's kind of what I think about, like, people perceive these things as sexy, and I'm like, oh, I don't know. That is the opposite of sexy. Stop that. <laughs> Yeah, I I know we're going to come back to it in a minute, but I think food porn also plays a big role in this. Mm -hmm. Um, And just, yeah, I feel like we've kind of fetishized food at large in a lot of ways. Um, Only one food item has been scientifically linked to arousal, though, and it's alcohol. Surprise. (laughs) And possibly red wine in particular, but it's a double-edged sword because it also often decreases sexual performance. I remember when my friend taught me about whiskey dick. Wait, what? In college. It, it just means when you have too much whiskey or I've alcohol. I've never heard of this. I've never heard this expression. Oh. Like I, I know the the yes, too much alcohol can also you know deter. But whiskey dick. Yeah. I wish I'd known this phrase so much earlier. <laughs> also, for me, I always think of tequila more so oh, than red yeah. wine. Oh, interesting. Okay. I think the red wine thing might be like going back to our episode on um, the color of red. Maybe, yeah. um, It could be something as simple as that. However, um, some researchers suggest the red wine connection might have to do with the Mediterranean diet and lifestyle, which includes a lot of those foods we mentioned earlier that help with blood flow along with red wine. So some researchers think... Basically, it's an aphrodisiac diet. Like, there's a bunch of foods you're eating that are helping, but it's not one thing. Um, And in general, bodies are complicated. They're very, very complicated. And it's hard to... Yes, surprise, surprise. (laughs) It's hard to isolate one thing as the cause. Uh, Red wine has been linked to sexual function, but that could be because of 
the diet of people who are more likely to drink red wine or the stress levels or sleep or exercise, probably all of those things because they all factor in to your sex life. Um, A healthy diet is going to improve sexual function. Yeah, and on top of this, if you're not getting enough food or good food, your sex drive will go down. So in some contexts, all foods can be aphrodisiacs. Surprise. And food might have frequently been in 17th century porn for this reason. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. now trying to imagine what that looks like. Uh, okay. It's anyway. probably not as exciting as you, <laughs> you think. I, well, no, yeah. I'm like, what is this? They just uh, sort of eat the porn. Uh, they eat the porn. They eat the food. Like they, Are really they like sexually... Not Dangling really. Grapes. I, I mean, okay. yeah, maybe in that kind of yeah. tamer okay, is that sense. What the yeah. porn is? That's what I imagine when I say this. <laughs> so an experiment with fruit flies found that in environments with food, the female fruit fly would hook up with the first male fly they encountered up to seven times in one day. Yeah, yeah. girl, go get it. Uh, <laughs> without food, that number went down to one. Yeah, yeah. And I know I've talked about it before on the show, and I, I've wondered before if my eating disorder is one of the reasons I don't have much of any of a sex drive. Um, And I know that is a possible symptom of eating disorders. Um, And yet on the other hand, bodies are complicated because yes, I have had a foodgasm before. Um, And I always think of the uh, Matrix Reloaded scene, or that happens, or the risotto from Seinfeld. Again, I took another, I took a poll about that with my female friends and they also look confused. Are they like, who is this person? <laughs> well, I think everybody's just envious more than anything else. So go ahead. All right. I mean, I'm I'm happy with that. Right. Do um, it. and yes, this actually is a good segue into food porn. Um, I know we've we talked about it before, uh, how it's kind of problematic when we're talking about guilty foods and indulgences, making you feel guilty about eating things that are probably fine. In moderation, I did learn food porn is a whole category on Pornhub, which didn't really surprise me, but also kind of did. I'm going to... Huh. That's mm-hmm. something to think on. So, uh, multiple studies have put food ahead of sex. Yes. Especially for women. Now, if we unpack that, the factors going into such a result can be interpreted as women's pleasure isn't prioritized during sex. And also, we restrict our eating. Yes, but there's also a lot to say about a culture of consumption where women are objects for consumption on the same level as food. And we talked about this a bit in our Men Eat Meat, Women Eat Salads episode and think of how many food terms we apply to women and not to men. Food advertising plays on this all the freaking time. Yeah, they really do. Really do. Um, Yeah, it's weird, weird. I did a little bit of Googling about foodgasms. And I didn't really find any scientific information. I might do a deep, deeper dive on it later, but it does sound like it is pretty rare. <laughs> it's more of a term people jokingly use. Right. I uh, honestly thought it was just an idea. Yeah, yeah. So uh, if any researchers out there are looking for a new project, <laughs> there you go. Um, so we did want to share some famous examples of aphrodisiacs with you. But first, we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So yeah, let's look at some examples throughout history to today. Again, 
Google any food aphrodisiac, I promise you, it probably has been seen as one at some right. point. But we chose some of the the more interesting ones. Um, like, uh, for instance, one of the otter historical aphrodisiacs is something, the Spanish fly, which is actually toxic. Right. Um, one that I had never heard of before is ambergris, or maybe ambergris. I got two different pronunciations, but we're going to go with ambergris, which is a mixture of whale poop, squid beaks, and fatty secretions. Uh, and this originates from indigestible pieces of squid in the digestive tracts of whales that most likely are passed out as poop, which eventually ends up on land somewhere for people to find. This typically takes a year or so of floating where sun, air, and salt exposure oxidizes it. Apparently, it has a very unique smell. I guess that makes sense. Um, That promotes sexual desire. And because of that, it is prized by perfume makers. Chanel Number no. 5 has it as an ingredient, for example. Um, the good quality stuff runs at $20 a gram, and they're collectors. They're collectors of the stuff that are very extremely competitive with each other because of that, and that is another thing that I want to go on a rabbit hole on later, but I'm a little nervous about what I'll find. Right, I feel like this is going to be a dark, dark hole. <laughs> <laughs> Not, a <laughs> Not a cinnamon roll. Not a cinnamon roll. There are no holes. Yeah, so another food is avocado, which the story goes that Montezuma told Cortez that the name avocado meant testicle. Nice. Both for appearance and for their aphrodisiac qualities. These qualities were perceived to be so strong that when avocados were being harvested, virginal women were prohibited from leaving their home. Well, That's damn. powerful. Mm. Some powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's chocolate, the queen of Valentine's Day candy. That the association with chocolate and aphrodisiacs is so strong that there is a lot of science looking into it, chocolate and cocoa. Um, and the association isn't a modern thing. We definitely, especially things like Valentine's Day, did capitalize on it. But this is a, an association that's been around for a long time. Um, but all of this science has never found any connection related to sexual desire and arousal with chocolate or cocoa. Um, At best, the results have been inconclusive. This one might specifically have to do with the placebo effect, especially right, especially now in our modern times. Chocolate is a treat, one that we frequently give to loved ones, one that we do give on Valentine's Day. Um, I was thinking, too, of just the whole, like, giving something sweet to someone um, and the association with calling people sweet and sweet foods. I don't know, but that's Did you a ever see the movie Chocolat? No, but you know, I have such a very, uh, one very uh, vivid memory. of It's Johnny Depp, isn't it? And he's like yeah. watching the woman clean the floor. So that's not, but that is the scene I'm talking about, but it's not Johnny Depp. It's this older couple who have been married for years and mm-hmm. she gets him uh, chocolates and the woman who sells it, who by the way is like the tramp of the oh. city because uh-huh. like she comes in out of like the wind brings her in. Oh my God, it's such a long thing. The wind <laughs> brings her in. She has a child. There's no father in the picture. You know, all of these things. And this is a very church, uh, and, like religious village. And she comes in and blows things, like, you know, just knocks everyone for a loop. For the, like, like a uh-huh. words, I can't figure out how to say. And she gives her these chocolates that said, this is for... I what she says, essentially saying, you know, this will turn them on. Right. And right. it does. And then she comes, and the woman comes back and like, I need more chocolate. 
Okay. But yeah, essentially that's that same like trope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I wonder about that sometimes, the whole, I'd love to look into that too, sweetheart, and just that kind of connection between sweet things mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and love. And love. Mm-hmm. And one category of aphrodisiacs that we've already mentioned is phallic-looking foods. So asparagus, yes, eggplant, ground-up horns and tusk, animal genitalia, like you said, things like that. Pretty much anything that looks vaguely phallic definitely or- has been... Apparently is phallic. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, also, yes. <laughs> uh, then we can talk about pomegranates. Um, and some think that the forbidden fruit in the Bible was a pomegranate. Though people think bananas and figs were the forbidden fruit, um, legend goes that Aphrodite herself planted the first pomegranate tree. And I will say it is oftentimes like uh, referenced to as the vagina. Yeah. It, it was funny because when we did the episode on pomegranates, um, I was looking for stock photos, free stock photos. You type in pomegranate, almost all the first results were uh, pads and pomegranate seeds and juice on them. And I was like, huh, okay. <laughs> this isn't what I'm looking for. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it certainly was. And I guess I, we should have, banana is clearly a phallic one that gets used right. a lot, is used as a stand-in for penis and a lot of sex ed classes or health classes. So that's a big one. Strawberries. So this is another one that got its reputation mostly from how this food looks. The red color is kind of heart shape. Also, the sweetness. The strawberry was once a symbol of the Roman god of love, Venus. And ancient Greeks banned the eating of red foods. And this gave rise to the belief that strawberries must contain a secret power, that forbidden fruit, as they say. Uh, Several foods have been banned throughout history for being too aphrodisiacal. Like, the church said, no, <laughs> you will not be eating this. That is sin. Well, honey. Um, honey has been seen as an aphrodisiac for centuries. The word honeymoon comes from the hopes for a sweet marriage. Um, or some stories go that newlywed couples drank mead until the first moon after they'd been married. And even Hippocrates prescribed it as an aphrodisiac. And according to one old wives' tale out of France, a sting from a bee was like getting injected with a maximum dose of aphrodisiac. Can you That's imagine being like, sting me bee? <laughs> and then how many people went into anaphylactic shock? Oh, no. <laughs> and finally, oysters. Um, oysters are one of the most well-known aphrodisiacs, or they're, they're seen as that. And they have a long, long, long history. I think for most of their history, uh, they were seen that way. Casanova reportedly ate 40 oysters a day for breakfast for this very reason. Oysters are high in zinc, which is an essential mineral when it comes to the production of sex hormones. They also contain several other rare amino acids that do the same thing. But again, there's never been a strong scientific case that they have any of these qualities. However. Like I said, bodies are complicated. It's possible. Right. It's possible. I love oysters in either case. <laughs> you just had some, didn't you? I did, and it was great because that's one of the foods I thought, how am I going to get oysters during quarantine? That is a food right. I was not sure uh, I could acquire. But I did, and it was delightful, and I, I had a lot, a lot, a lot of oysters. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you, as you yes. said. Did yes. it make you feel extra <laughs> sexy? No. (laughs) Eating oysters is also one that's pretty gross. (laughs) Everything about that is like, ugh, nah, nah. Yeah. I'm good without that as a sex language. Thanks. Yeah. It is fascinating, though. It is fascinating. It's another one of those examples of how important 
uh, sex and good sex has been. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. Um, so, if you want to have a less in-depth look at perhaps the aphrodisiac part, but the food part, we have talked at length about a lot of these over on Savor. So, you can go check that out if you're interested. Um, in the meantime, we would love to hear from you your thoughts on aphrodisiacs, if you yeah. have any, or anything else. Um, you can email us at stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuff I never told you. Thanks as always to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Thanks, Andrew. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I'm Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 